Hi, welcome to New Hope Community Church Online. The sermon you are about to hear was originally given by Pastor Chuck Wilson. New Hope Community Church, to know, to live, and to share Jesus Christ. And the title for today is, Are You in a Relationship or a Religion? Are you in a relationship or a religion? Mark 7, 1 to 8. And to start off, I'm going to start off with a video about why... I hate religion. What if I told you Jesus came to abolish religion? What if I told you voting Republican really wasn't his mission? What if I told you Republican doesn't automatically mean Christian, and just because you call some people blind doesn't automatically give you vision? I mean, if religion is so great, why has it started so many wars? Why does it build huge churches but fails to feed the poor? Tell single moms God doesn't love them if they've ever had a divorce, but in the Old Testament, God actually calls religious people whores. Religion might preach grace, but another thing they practice, tend to ridicule God's people, they did it to John the Baptist. They can't fix their problems, and so they just mask it, not realizing religion's like spraying perfume on a casket. See, the problem with religion is it never gets to the core. It's just behavior modification, like a long list of chores. Like, let's dress up the outside, make it look nice and neat. But it's funny, that's what they used to do to mummies while the corpse rots underneath. Now I ain't judging, I'm just saying, quit putting on a fake look. Because there's a problem if people only know that you're a Christian by your Facebook. I mean, in every other aspect of life, you know that logic's unworthy. It's like saying you play for the Lakers just because you bought a jersey. See, this was me too, but no one seemed to be on to me, acting like a church kid while addicted to pornography. See, on Sunday I'd go to church, but Saturday getting faded, acting if I was simply created to just have sex and get wasted. See, I spent my whole life building this facade of neatness, but now that I know Jesus, I boast in my weakness. Because if grace is water, then the church should be an ocean. It's not a museum for good people, it's a hospital for the broken. Which means I don't have to hide my failure, I don't have to hide my sin. Because it doesn't depend on me, it depends on him. See, because when I was God's enemy, and certainly not a fan, he looked down and said, I want that man. Which is why Jesus hated religion, and for it he called them fools. Don't you see so much better than just following some rules? Now let me clarify. I love the church, I love the Bible, and yes, I believe in sin. But if Jesus came to your church, would they actually let him in? See, remember he was called a glutton and a drunkard by religious men. But the Son of God never supports self-righteousness, not now, not then. Now back to the point, one thing is vital to mention. How Jesus and religion are on opposite spectrums. See, one's the work of God, but one's a man-made invention. See, one is the cure, but the other's the infection. See, because religion says do, Jesus says done. Religion says slave, Jesus says son. Religion puts you in bondage while Jesus sets you free. Religion makes you blind, but Jesus makes you see. And that's why religion and Jesus are two different clans. Religion is man searching for God, Christianity is God searching for man. Which is why salvation is freely mine and forgiveness is my own not based on my merits, but Jesus' obedience alone. Because he took the crown of thorns and the blood dripped down his face. He took what we all deserve. I guess that's why you call it grace. 
And while being murdered, he yelled, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Because when he was dangling on that cross, he was thinking of you. And he absorbed all your sin and he buried it in the tomb, which is why I'm kneeling at the cross saying, come on, there's room. So for religion, no, I hate it. In fact, I literally resent it. Because when Jesus said, it is finished, I believe he meant it. I hate religion. Jesus hated religion too. In fact, it got him a lot of trouble with the Pharisees, as we're going to see this morning. And let me start with prayer. Father, we thank you for the worship today. We thank you for bringing us here today. And Lord, I know we always all struggle with this whole concept of religion versus relationship. It's a constant daily battle in our lives. And I just pray that your Holy Spirit would open our eyes and open our hearts and Set us free from religion so that we can grow deeper in our relationship with you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, let's read the passage first. So Mark chapter 7, first eight verses. It says, The Pharisees and some of the teachers of the law who had come from Jerusalem gathered around Jesus and saw some of his disciples eating food with hands that were unclean, that is, unwashed. The Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they give their hands a ceremonial washing, holding to the tradition of the elders. When they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash, and they observe many other traditions, such as washing of cups, pitchers, and kettles. So the Pharisees and teachers of the law asked Jesus, Why don't your disciples live according to the traditions of the elders instead of eating their food with unclean hands? He replied, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites. As it is written... These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are but rules taught by men. You have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to the traditions of men. So, let's go back to the first five verses here. And I'm going to read them again because it's worth repeating. The Pharisees and some of the teachers of the law who had come from Jerusalem gathered around Jesus and saw some of his disciples eating food with hands that were unclean, that is, unwashed. The Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they give their hands a ceremonial washing, holding to the traditions of the elders. When they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash, and they observe many other traditions, such as the washing of cups and pitchers and kettles. So the Pharisees and teachers of the law asked Jesus, Why don't your disciples live according to the traditions of the elders instead of eating their food with unclean hands? So the Pharisees show up. And you know the Pharisees, what they mean. Pharisees mean rules. There's going to be a lot of rules. In fact, remember our song, it bears, we'll do one of the verses again. Because whenever we talk about the Pharisees, they're going on the attack mode. It helps remember what the Pharisees really stand for. Remember? Um, I just want to be a sheep. Bad, bad. I just want to be a sheep. Bad, bad. Don't want to be a wolf. No, I just want to be a sheep. Bad, bad. I don't want to be a Pharisee. I don't want to be a Pharisee, because they're not fair, you see. I don't want to be a Pharisee. No, I just want to be a sheep. Bye, bye. Anyway, you get the idea. So, the Pharisees, those who've been in VBS or can't, can't know the song very well, uh, 
the Pharisees are about, they're not fair. They all just have rules, and they just want to follow this religion thing. And they missed the whole point, the Pharisees, that God wants a relationship with us through faith. God wants a relationship with us through faith. God's Old Testament covenant relationship was based on faith. Faith didn't start with Jesus. It started Genesis 15, 6 with Abraham. In Genesis 15, 6, Abraham believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. He believed that was talking about faith. Abraham put his faith in God. The, the, the lamb, the sheep, and all the other things, the sacrifice, everything else was based on faith. It was all about faith. But God's Old Testament covenant relationship that was based on faith had evolved through the Pharisees and the Sadducees. It had evolved into a man-made religion. Faith was buried under tons of tradition. Wait till come in a couple weeks when we get the next part of it. There, it was buried under so much tradition. It was still there underneath somewhere, but you had to dig it out with a bulldozer, which they didn't have at this time, right? They had to really dig. Does it sound familiar? Many of us came from traditions, right? We came from Christianist churches where the gospel was buried. It was buried. Many of us came from these, these same things where it was buried, both Roman Catholic and Protestant traditions. We're not going to pick on one or the other. We pick on everybody here, right? Including ourselves. All right? we, uh, both Roman Catholic and Protestants are doing this in the USA today. Very rare to hear the gospel preached in churches in the USA today. Both Roman Catholic and Protestant, it's the same thing. It's there they're using the, the same Bible that you're holding right now. They use, in all these different churches, they use the same exact Bible. But what they teach from it is not the gospel because it's been buried under man-made religion and traditions. They've buried it in all the church, many, many churches in America. And faith is very fuzzy. There is faith, yeah. Well, faith just means kind of knowing who Jesus is. But then, but then you have to follow the church rules and, and be good enough to get to heaven. That's what's taught across the board in the majority of churches in America today. And, and you've got to follow these rules and follow good works. And they don't even come, they don't even use the Bible to come up with these rules. If they did, we wouldn't be so bad off. But they, they, they use man-made rules. They put the Bible, they shut the Bible, and they come up with catechism books. And they, and they put all these traditions and man-made rules into this catechism book, and it refers to a couple Bible verses here and there, but it's really just man-made rules that they, they just brainwash people with. But it, it's so sad because they bury the gospel. The gospel must be central. The gospel of Jesus Christ, that Jesus died for our sins, and we can only have a relationship with his Father by putting our faith in him and asking him to forgive us and putting our faith in Jesus and following him. That's, that's, that's the, the gospel that should be central. And the word of God must be central. Religious books can be, can be helpful if they don't contradict the Bible, but, but the Bible has to be the central. The word of God is the key. What, what we have to learn about God from. And it was the same in Jesus Christ's day. These Pharisees had buried God's Old Testament covenant relationship of faith. They buried it under man-made rules and under a work salvation. You had to follow these rules to get right with God. It had nothing to do with faith. It was a work salvation. Same thing. And they send this fact-finding mission back to, to Mark chapter 7. The Pharisees show up. It's a fact-finding mission, but it's really an inquisition. They weren't really looking for facts. Their minds were already made up. Don't bother me with the truth. My mind is already made up, right? They're already made up. And we already saw this back in chapter 2 of Mark. They had a battle over the Sabbath. 
Now, they weren't fighting Jesus over what the Bible taught about the Sabbath. It was, he wasn't following their man-made rules about the Sabbath. Remember, they couldn't, Jesus and the disciples were picking some grain to eat as they walked along. And You're harvesting. That's, that's work. You can't do that. It's crazy. They weren't selling it or storing it. They were just hungry and they were eating it. And I was out this morning on my prayer walk and I was picking berries. I came back with a whole big thing of berries for the kids. And, and I was picking berries and eating them. Could you imagine someone come along? You can't pick those berries. You're breaking the butt. You're breaking God's rule. I'm like, what do you mean I'm hungry? This is my breakfast, right? You know, that, that's what they were doing. They man-made rules. And not only that, it wasn't just the, the Sabbath, but in chapter 3, they attacked him for casting out demons. Now, wouldn't you think a religious leader would be happy that somebody was freed from a demon? No, because they were religious. They weren't about faith, and, and they weren't even happy somebody was freed from a demon. They attacked Jesus and accused him of being possessed by the devil. Uh, even the miracles that Jesus did, you see, they don't accept his miracles. They ignore the miracles. Remember I talked about this. Miracles don't create faith. They test faith. They test the faith. And here, the Pharisees go on a new attack. They come up with a new plan of attack. They're attacking Jesus now, not face to face, but they're attacking him through the disciples, what the disciples are doing. And they, they were attacking him because they weren't washing their hands before eating. Now, this is not talking about hygiene. Of course, they wash their hands before they eat. They used to wash their feet. You read the stories in the Bible after foot washing. They took baths, you know. They, they, this is not what this is about. This is a ceremonial hand washing that they're referring to here has nothing to do with hygiene. It's a ceremonial washing. What Bible, who knows what Bible verse that's in? What book of the Bible and what chapter and what verse is that in? What's that? Oh, that's right. It's not in the Bible. <laughs> they made it up. It's a tradition of the elders. They made it up. Uh, this was a tradition developed by the religious leaders where they would sprinkle their hands before they ate. It wasn't about hygiene. It was a ceremonial sprinkling hands. Kind of like saying grace for a lot of people. You know, say, you know, you know the, the different graces that people say. And, but, but it was a tradition. It started out okay. It was meant to remind people before they sat down to eat three times a day. It was a good reminder that, hey, the world and sin contaminates me. And I need to... Um, I need to... Uh, Cleanse. I need to ask for forgiveness. I need that God's constant cleansing. That's a good reminder. They needed a reminder. The reminder was to, as they washed, sprinkled their hands, hey, I have sin in my life. I struggle with sin. I struggle with temptation. I've been bombarded by the world. Sounds familiar to anybody. It's even worse now, right? Think of internet and TV. It was bombarded by the world, and I need cleansing. I need God's cleansing. That's not a, a, a bad thing. We constantly need God's cleansing. So it, was, it started out as a, a positive thing. But this evolved over time into something negative. It evolved into a superiority complex. Anytime these religious leaders and their followers would come into contact with Gentiles anywhere, like in the marketplace, they consider themselves defiled. Remember when you were a kid, you got cooties? Remember cooties? You know, boy, if a girl touched a boy, we have, we're the boys, the girls felt the same way, but if, man, if a girl touched you, you got cooties. You couldn't see them, but it was bad, right? And you had to do cootie bites. Remember the cootie bites? You bite your hands and you left your teeth marks there. Then you were cured and the boys could then touch you again because you were cured of touching the girls and getting the cooties. I don't know what the girls did to cure themselves of the cooties, but uh, that's what we did. This is what they were doing. 
they touch a Gentile and cooties, spiritual cooties, and got to get rid of them, but they didn't bite their hand. They sprinkled a little water on it, and that's how they took care of it. And not only that, anything else that they took to the market, like a basket, that had to be sprinkled because that could have got cooties, you know, Gentile cooties. And when they came home, before they sprinkled, as they're getting lunch together, because they had spiritual Gentile cooties, they, if they touched the pan or anything, that also got cooties. So everything had to be sprinkled that was used to cook before they sat down and did their hand washing before. You know, they had to purify everything from this Gentile cootie thing, right? I know it sounds a little silly, but they took it very seriously. It was one of the reasons they crucified Jesus, all right? But the most dangerous part of this washing is that it was equated with biblical teaching. See, this is the really dangerous part. They equated it with biblical teaching. That's when things get dangerous. Traditions aren't wrong as long as they don't go against the Bible. If they go against the Bible, they're wrong. But if they don't go against the Bible, they're not wrong unless they're equated with the Bible. And some of you came from tradition, uh, Christian traditions where man's traditions were equal to the Bible. Some of you read your catechism books. You know what I'm talking about. That is dangerous, dangerous, dangerous. We're going to talk about that in a couple weeks when I hit the part two on this, when we get to verses 9 to 13 here. They equated it with biblical teaching. This hand washing was not in the law. It's just a tradition, but it was given equal authority to the Bible. And that is dangerous. That's how you get false gospels. That's how you get false gospels. Dangerous. And very few people did this, by the way. Uh, the, the disciples weren't the only ones not doing it. Very few people did it because they thought these Pharisees, most of them were a little crazy, and most of them were. And they, most common people didn't bother doing that. So it's not surprising the disciples didn't do this. But the Pharisees, that's why the Pharisees referred to everybody except their own little group as sinners. They would just kind of walk by and sniff at everybody and just call them all sinners. That's what they call everybody. So the result was, now get this, the result was a wrong attitude towards sinners. Both Jewish and Gentile people, they had the wrong attitude. Now it's true we're not supposed to be contaminated by the world. James chapter 2, we're not supposed to love the world. But we are called to love sinners. Love lost sinners. Lost sheep, Jesus called them. Because, guess what? That's what we are. That's what we were. We weren't any better. We didn't earn God's favor. We weren't super spiritual and that's why he picked us. We were worse than all of them. Right? Still can be worse on any given day. Apart from God's mercy and grace. We're no better. We're just saved by grace. And we live by grace. There's no superiority here. So they had this wrong attitude, and the ultimate horrible result was a wrong... Now, this is, now, follow this. The really, really, really bad part about this is they had the wrong idea about sin and holiness. About sin and holiness. They measured holiness, which is trying to be like God and get right with God and be right with God and, and live the way God wants us to live. That's holiness. They tried to measure a holiness by following man-made rules. Get that? They were, they were following man-made rules in order to be holy. But sin and holiness is not external sprinkling water. It is inside. It's internal. And that's really, really important. It's a matter of the heart. And that's what the Pharisees 
And most people missed entirely. That's why they turned on Jesus. They thought it was all external. I'm just following the external things and I'm okay with God. And it, they, they missed it. It's a matter of the heart. We can follow religious rules and traditions and legalism, but not have a heart relationship with God. Look what Jesus says in verses 6 to 8. Powerful passage here. He replied, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites, as it is written. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are about rules taught by men. You have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to the traditions of men. He goes from they, their, them, those guys. You, you, you. Remember the basketball games for a while? You, you, you always chant that you. That's what Jesus is getting in their face saying, you, this is you. Because it's a matter of the heart. And they were hypocrites. They said all the right things, but their hearts weren't in it. The real problem is that they had replaced God's word. Genesis through Revelation. They had replaced God's word at that time, Genesis through Malachi. uh, Replaced God's word with man-made traditions. Don't miss two weeks from today. Next week, Dave Adams. Two weeks from today, I'm going to hit the second part. We're going to see how we still do that today. Everybody, every church still falls into this trap today. Every individual, we fall into this trap of replacing God's word with man-made traditions. They were religious, but they had no relationship with God. Do you remember being like that? Some of you might still be like that. Remember being like that? We were religious, but we didn't have a relationship with God. That's why they attacked Jesus. Now, this is important. That's why they attacked Jesus. You know why? Religion hates relationship. When I saw this Jeff's video on why I hate religion, I thought it was awesome. I was like, wow, that's awesome. And then they, it was on TV and they had talk shows, Larry King or whoever, different people on the news talking about it. And it was amazing. I was like, this is perfect. It's the heart of the gospel, what he just said. But they had all these religious leaders come on. It was, it was sad. They were attacking him. Oh, he doesn't really understand how important religion is. You know, they had their collars on and necklaces with different religious symbols on. You get in the picture here and the robes on. And they were on these TV shows and, and they were refuting what he said. Yeah, well, I, I think I kind of understand, but you don't understand. Religion is very important. Religion does a lot of good things. And, and I'm like... These guys don't get it. They're still Pharisees. A lot of guys on TV. There were some that were on there. Hey, that was great. Could he come to my church? I'd love to have him preach that. But the majority of the ones they interviewed were like, trying to be careful they didn't come down too hard, but they were not happy. A lot of Pharisees still. Religion hates relationship. Flesh hates spirit. Remember Paul? The flesh hates the spirit. Get this. Works hates faith. Someone who's trying to work their way into heaven hates it when someone preaches faith. Someone who's trying to live by the flesh hates it when someone wants to live by the spirit. Someone who, 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 has a re, who is following religion hates it when people have a relationship with God. That's why so many face attacks when you become a born-again Christian. How many have experienced it? Don't raise your hand. How many have experienced that? When you became a Christian, you were attacked 
for becoming a born-again, born crazy born-again Christian. I know born-again is get, taking a beating, but Jesus said you must be born again. Doesn't mean you have to wear purple hair and sit behind the goalpost with the John 3.16 sign. That, that's not what I'm talking about. That's not born again. Born again means you are born spiritually. Just like you are born physically, you are born spiritually. The second you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you are born as a new creation, a new creature in Jesus Christ. It's like you become an alien. Because you now have God's DNA spiritually. And... And so many get attacked when you become a born-again Christian. Some Christian traditions, and a lot of you came from these Christian traditions, if you are, I see them, their kids, adult kids are living way out there. They're on drugs, and they're alcoholics, and they're, and they're living with their girlfriend or boyfriend, and, and they're just living out there. And they're fine because as long as they come on Christmas and Easter and do the religious rituals on Christmas and Easter, they're fine with their kid. But as soon as their kid, and I deal with this a lot, as soon as that kid, young adult, says, I'm going to become born again. I, I understand who Jesus is. I want a relationship. I, I ask for God to forgive my sins, and I put my faith in Jesus, and I want to live like Jesus. They freak out. Freak out. The same kid they were so happy with and comfortable with all and they showed up on Christmas and Easter and do the rituals. As soon as they're born again, they freak out. If they're living like Jesus and loving God, they flip out. They've joined a cult. You've put my child in a cult. It's crazy. That's because religion hates relationship. Flesh hates the spirit. Right? Works hates faith. A lot of Jewish traditions are the same. Not all, but a lot of Jewish traditions are the same. It's, I've seen it. I've, I've led Jewish people to Christ. And, and they, their, their parents were fine when they were an atheist. Or they, they didn't even care. They even said to them, I don't even care if you become a Buddhist. Just don't you become a born-again Christian. They're fine if they're an atheist or a Buddhist. But as soon as they become a born-again Christian, following that Jesus, crazy Jesus, they freak out. Why? Because religion hates relationship. That's why. Religion fights relationship. How about us? How about us? Are we religious or do we have a relationship with God through his son Jesus Christ? It's the only way to have that relationship. There's only one way. Jesus Christ is the only way. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. That's the only way to have that relationship with God as our Father is through His Son, Jesus Christ. And it's all by faith. It's not by religion. Religion, I've heard this, I've said this many times, religion is spelled D-O, do. You have to do something. Christianity is spelled done, D-O-N-E. It's done. Jesus did it all. All we can do is ask for forgiveness and put our faith in him, our trust in him, and follow him, give our life to him. That's all we can do. Have you ever put your faith in Jesus Christ, his death on the cross, his sacrifice, his substitution, substitution for us, taking our place on that cross? So that we can have a relationship with God. Have you ever taken that step? And as Christians, after we are Christians, are we growing in that relationship? Once we have that relationship through faith, are we growing in that relationship with Jesus Christ? Or has our relationship grown cold? 
used to call it backsliding? Has it grown cold? Is, is, is our relationship really just evolved, degenerated into a, a religion now? We're just going through the motions? It's just an act? Just like you call them hypocrites, that means actors. We're just acting it out. Sunday morning, our lips are moving. We're saying the right things. We're singing the words. But our hearts and minds are not in it. It's a battle. That's why I said it's a battle every week, isn't it? It's a battle every day because we, we move back toward religion in doing instead of staying with that relationship and that living by faith in dependence on God through faith. That's why last week was so powerful for so many people. We'd had an hour and a half of worship and, and there were many, many people were in tears even after the service came up and talked to me. Now, I know some of you struggled with it uh, because we didn't do many hymns and I know some of you missed the, the hymns, which we made up for today, right? We made up for that, Thank, thanks to Yoshi's humming. And uh, we also, some of you missed the sermon, but I'm making up for that. I'm going to be preaching till about noon, so just sit tight here. Okay, good. I got another hour. All right, so I'm going to make up for that. But really, really, thanks for being patient. Some of the ones who didn't relate as well to it. Thanks for being patient and understanding because it was very, very uh, powerful. It impacted many, many people because many, many said for the first time, I feel like I really worship from my heart. I worshiped in a, the deepest way I've ever worshiped before. So thanks for being patient because that really did, that really was powerful, powerful. And like I said, we always, if if you don't like worship one week, come the next week because it changes every week. The teens are doing next week. It's going to be great again. Something different. It's always different here. And, uh, and I, and, but we really do try hard to give everybody an entry point. Just, you know, some hymns and some old, golden oldies and some newer stuff. And just try to, because I know everybody worships a different way. And, and I really appreciate everybody being so patient. And I really appreciate our worship team working so hard at that because it's just been just a beautiful thing. But the reason I mentioned all that was last week was so powerful because a lot of people felt like they really connected from their heart. And, and they really were getting that. And that's so important. Are we, are, are we worshiping not just here, but are we worshiping every day? Just like Yoshi humming. I know you, that's, that's worshiping from the heart. All day long, that, that hymn, that's worshiping from the heart. Do our lips and heart match or are we actors or are we really living it Kelvin and Hobbes some theology from Kelvin and Hobbes here oh, I miss Kelvin and Hobbes but anyway here's a good one I'll read it in case you can't quite make out the words it says Hobbes do you think our mor morality is defined by our actions or by what's in our hearts Hobbes says I think our actions show what's in our hearts. Let's say that again. I think our actions show what's in our hearts. And Calvin, thanks for a minute, yells, I resent that. And if you know Calvin, you know why he resents that. <laughs> God wants our hearts. Because if he has our hearts, the actions are going to be there, right? And the life is going to be there. It's going to be freely. He wants our hearts. He wants our worship on Sundays, but he wants our lives, which is a vital part of our worship because it shows what's in our heart. He wants our life. Romans 12, 1 to 2. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. 
What's he talking about offering your bodies? Then he goes on to tell us, verse 2, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. That's the key. Don't be squeezed by the world, but be transformed by God's word and the Holy Spirit and the power of God. That's how we worship. Sunday morning is awesome worship, but that should just be priming the pump so that our lives are our worship. The way that we live that comes from our hearts. It's a heart issue. It's a heart issue. Let's pray. As we go to this time of prayer, how is God speaking to us? Are we worshiping God with not just our mouths, but our hearts and our lives? All three together? Maybe our prayer this morning is, God, touch my heart. My heart's been cold. It's, I've become an actor. I've been faking it. I've been not full of your Holy Spirit. Not letting your spirit fill me on a daily basis. Maybe it's praying for the heart. Maybe it's praying for the lips. God, help me to worship you. Help me to really worship you. On Sunday mornings, no matter what we're singing, help me to worship you. And, and all throughout the week, just keep that worship on my lips. In my life as well, God. Maybe there's something in our life that, that we haven't surrendered that's hurting that life of worship. Something we're fighting God on, we're disobeying Jesus on. His clear word, not a tradition, not man-made something, that's what someone's telling you, but God's clear word tells us how to live a life of worship. What in our life do we need to surrender to ask for God's mercy and grace? And I'm going to tell you something. It won't be just this morning. It's going to be that when you get home, and it's going to be the next day, and the next day, and the next day. It's a constant prayer for God's mercy and grace in our life. While we're praying about that, I want to ask if anybody here needs to give their heart to Jesus. Maybe you've never been born again, spiritually born. But the Holy Spirit is speaking to you and calling you to give your heart to Jesus. There's nothing you can do. It's all been done. All we can do is receive the gift. By putting our faith in Jesus, we receive his free gift of forgiveness and eternal life in a relationship with his father. We can only re receive it. Like a beggar, there's nothing we can do. It's been done. Jesus said it is finished. Maybe you're ready to do that this morning. Right where you're sitting, you can pray the prayer of faith. You can be born again. Just say, Jesus, please forgive me. I believe you died on that cross for me, for the wrong I've done, for the mess I've made, for my rebellion. Please forgive me. I don't want that life anymore. I repent of that life. 
please forgive me. I'm putting my faith in Jesus. My hope, my trust. I'm going to cling to you, Jesus. I'm putting my faith in you, what you've done for me, and who you are, the Son of God. And I'm going to follow you. Now that I have forgiveness and I have my faith in you, I'm going to follow you. I give my life to you. I want to be like you, Jesus. Father, I pray that each person here would put their faith in, in your son, Jesus. And I pray that we would live by faith. No matter how cold we are, no matter what sin we've been stuck in, temptation, battling, whatever has distracted us, pulled us away, whatever pollution we've gotten from the world, Lord, we pray that your Holy Spirit would wash us. Not some ceremonial hand cleaning, but your Spirit would wash us, transform us. Pray that in Jesus' name. And I want to end with a question. Something hit me during the prayer, and I've asked many of you this question. This gets to the heart of the matter. Are we in a religion or in a relationship? If you were to die and stand before God, and we're all going to do that someday, it might be today, it might be tomorrow, it might be 50 years from now, but we're all going to stand before Jesus someday. And, and we stand before God and he say, why should I let you into heaven? What would you say? Think about your answer. What would you say to God? I've asked many, many people, thousands probably, that question. And I've gotten many answers. And most answers are what I call religion, doing something. I've been good, I go to church, I've been baptized, I've been confirmed, I've taken communion, I've tried not to hurt people, I give money, I, 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 I. That's religion, that's doing. But there's only one answer, that's relationship. And that is because I've, God, I'm asking you to let me in to heaven with you because I have put my faith in your son, Jesus Christ. I've done nothing. I believe Jesus did it for me.